Welcome to the Real Estate Play-By-Play. We are your hosts, Christy Martinelli, top-ranked realtor worldwide, and Danielle Obrantz, mortgage industry veteran. On and off the field of life, you need to know the plays to win the game. We are here to give you the play-by-play tools to reach your real estate goals. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, a seasoned investor, or just have a love for real estate, suit up. It's It's game game time. time. Hi, and welcome, everyone. How's it going? Hello, hello. So today we have an amazing topic, the fundamental rules of the game. So this is the what not to do when you're a buyer. Absolutely. Which is important. There are a lot of things as a sports player in the game, whichever game of sports you're playing, there are things that you don't want to do. Right. And there are things that you don't want to do in real estate as a buyer. Right. The written and unwritten rules (laughs) of the game, right? Exactly. Sometimes those are a little bit, you know, disguised, but it's really important that you know when you're going into the game, you know, what you need to be doing and not doing, especially as a buyer. But so let's start with financial decisions. This is a big one that comes up in my world all the time. Right. So I get a buyer, help a buyer get into escrow on their dream dream property, and they're super excited. Yeah. And then they... (laughs) So some of the more immediate things that tend to happen is, you know, they think, oh, well, I need to combine all my checking accounts so that all my money is in one account. That's a really common one that happens. And that's great in theory. Like it sounds like a great idea to move all your money around and consolidate everything and make it easy to access. From a lending perspective, we have to track all of that money movement. And so anytime you move money within accounts, it creates extra work for the buyer because now they have to show where all those transfers came from. And if we're in the middle of a month, then the statements haven't come out and there's extra paperwork involved. And it really just creates unnecessary extra work. So rule of thumb is if you're a buyer and you're an escrow and you're in the process of buying your house, don't move anything around financially unless you talk to your mortgage broker, your real her first. Yes. I think a big one for me is buyers get excited. They've removed their contingencies and they're like, let's buy new furniture for a house. Let's furnish our house. Yeah. And then they, you know, they go to whatever Ashley furniture and Ashley furniture is running a special where if they apply for financing, they get 10% off. So that's, you know, rule number two, do not apply. Even if you don't open any new accounts, don't apply for any new accounts without talking to your lender. Because any new accounts have to be explained. And while it may not be problematic for your individual situation, like you may qualify still, it creates extra paperwork. Extra paperwork can create extra timeframes, which can delay things depending on where you are in the transaction. So always, always, always check with your mortgage lender before you apply for any new credit, before you move money around, and before you accept any money. So that's a big one, too. A lot of times people get into the transaction and they'll say, well, you know, my grandma found out that we were buying a house and she wanted to gift us $5,000 and she just deposited money into our account. Well, that can cause some problems on the mortgage side. We need to track all of that. And if money goes into your account, then all of a sudden we need paperwork from grandma. Sometimes grandma doesn't want to provide her bank statements and that then creates extra complications in the transactions, and there's easier ways to do it. Depending on the type of loan, if grandma were to deposit directly to escrow, then we don't need her bank accounts and we don't need to like get as invasive with 
documentation. So, so again, make sure you're talking to your mortgage broker and your realtor. And along those lines also, making you know large purchases. Yes. I'm not just <laughs> opening up credit cards per se, but thinking, okay, well, I'm going to take a chunk of change out of my bank and go make a large purchase. Well, a lot of times, you know, you have to show money in your account for reserves. Maybe if you're getting a loan or you need money to coming into money at the end for your cash to close. Right. So you don't want to be taking large chunks of money out of your account. Right. Yeah. Especially not without talking to your mortgage loan officer. Right. Because you want to make sure that they, you know, they may have a different plan based on the documentation that you previously gave them. And so mm-hmm. you want to make sure all of that detail. Do you remember the time? Oh, geez. this is probably going I'm hoping back. my clients are not listening. Right I know, I know. We're going to, we'll, we'll edit It's a slightly. good story though. But do you remember the time we're probably talking 2015, somewhere along there. Mm-hmm. We were the week before closing and we found out that our client who we were closing on a house had purchased a $100,000 boat on a credit card. <laughs> I still remember the call I got from uh, you. Yeah, that as any loan officer will tell you, that is like their worst nightmare during a transaction. Now we still closed. <laughs> yeah. There was a solution. And, and that's important to know, right? Like, don't beat yourself up if you've already made these mistakes. There's often a solution. It just can create extra work. For the buyers. Right. And when they're going through the purchase, we want to make sure that we try to eliminate work from their plate and make the process as simple as possible. And while it may seem like no big deal on their end, it, you know, from a lending perspective, they just have their rules. And so we have to follow those rules. So we still closed on our our dear clients who purchased their $100,000 boat on a credit card. But I I remember losing a little sleep over that one. (laughs) So just basic rule, if you're a buyer, don't plan on moving any of your finances around, whether receiving money, getting money, opening up credit cards, anything like that until you check with your mortgage broker and realtor first. Right. And so that kind of leads me to one that would be very unexpected But one thing that has come up in the past that buyers never think about is don't pay anything off either. So Mm -hmm. let's say you have this looming collection on your credit report. You know, it's a couple thousand dollar collection and you think, well, I'm paying it off. That'll be great for my overall financial picture, right? right? You're paying off a, a negative item. Don't do that during the mortgage process. When you're paying off negative items, it can then report as freshly reported items on a credit report and that can actually negatively impact your score. Which so. you wouldn't you wouldn't think. think. You'd think I'm no. get, I'm paying something no. off that is bad, it would be a good thing. Right. But it's not. So, it's just really really important really from the minute you get pre-approved mm-hmm. until you close on your house that you're working very closely with your loan officer and your real estate agent to make sure that any financial decisions you run by them. Mm-hmm. And that that goes to all the big stuff too, which seems obvious, but don't change jobs. You know, don't buy any other houses. I I have actually had that happen where somebody was buying a house out of state on another transaction at the same time and they didn't tell us about that. And the way the mortgage process works these days is underwriters have all kinds of tools that they use to find out information. So it always gets discovered, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it gets discovered at the last minute and that can just throw a total wrench in the timeline, which is, you know, often problematic, right? (laughs) to say the least. So no changing jobs, no buying other houses, no paying Mm -hmm. off collections, no moving money around, no 
making big purchases, no gifts from grandma or anyone else. What else? What have so we I missed? think besides, so the, that's the financial side of it, yes. right? Just yes. kind of like frozen, freeze tag. Yes. While you're in escrow, <laughs> don't do much. And yeah. if you're going to do something, check with your mortgage broker yes. first. I'm your new best friend. <laughs> Run all your financial decisions by me. I have to say it's super amazing at the end of the transaction when I have clients like a week after closing come to me and say like, hey, I want to move some money around. And I'm like, no, 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 you're free to go now. Like yeah. now you can live your life as you normally would. You don't have to consult me on everything. Go back to being in charge of your your own finances. But right. yeah, once you close, you're good. So I think one thing that I see a lot is, and I would say it's a big no-no in terms of being a buyer, Yeah, is thinking that you're going to hedge your bets or play your card safe by going in to multiple open houses and finding multiple realtors yeah. and hoping that multiple realtors, you hiring them and having them work for you. Right. It doesn't work. You're actually <laughs> better off finding one work. top agent yes. and hiring them to be your realtor on the buying side. Right. Because what happens, I think, is if you find multiple realtors, first off, like for myself, being a top agent, I don't work with somebody who works with multiple other realtors. Right. Well, it's but just confusing for one. I mean, it's confusing. The way that we get paid is by hustling for you and finding you a house, working yeah. hard for your business. Yeah. And then once you close on that property, we get paid. Right. So it's not motivation for realtors to hustle for you and find you a house if you're working with mul multiple realtors. Right. And I think a lot of buyers don't realize that. Yeah. I think the other thing, I see is a buyer thinking, well, I'm going to get a leg up by working with the listing agent of that right, property. Right. I see that on the, you know, on the lending side, yeah. they'll say, well, I walked into the open house and I thought I'd get a better deal if mm -hmm. I work directly with the listing agent. And it doesn't work like that. At the end doesn't. of the day, it's the seller's decision yeah. what offer they accept. Right. Well, and, and sometimes it even puts them in a worse position because you have an agent who is kind of torn between their you know, clients. Uh, yeah, to their to right. clients and, and who they need to be responsible to. Right. And in a multiple offer situation, a lot of times the listing agents won't take on a new client of that property anyways that will refer you out to somebody else. Right. So if you want to do yourself, the best thing you could do as a buyer is find a top realtor that's going to work hard for you and stick with that realtor. Right. And let them work for you. And so do your due diligence up front. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Make sure that you're interviewing agents and you're finding one that you are confident will go to bat for you. Yep. And who also has the track record. I know we have talked about that before, mm -hmm. but it's really, 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 really important that you find an agent who has lots of transactions under their belt. And has good relationships with a lot great of other relationships. agents. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is definitely a relationship business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. But buyers who are not working with agents who have the experience don't necessarily know what they don't know. What they don't know. Correct. Yeah. So as a buyer, don't go look for multiple realtors to work for with you. Just right. find your one person and stick with them. Right. So I think another thing that buyers don't want to do is once you get into escrow and you get your close of escrow date, don't line up everything in stone. Like don't line up your movers in stone. Don't line up the day that you're going to close in stone because that day can fluctuate a little bit depending on what happens on the buyer's side right? with your lender and things like that, or maybe the seller moving out and things like that. So anyways, 
I, I've had clients that have lined up their movers Everything. for 5 p.m. Right. We're supposed to close at 3 p.m. Yeah. And it doesn't end up closing that day. It needs to get pushed to the next day for multiple reasons. Right. And, the, you know, the movers aren't available the next day and this and that. So play it safe. Right. Do it for a few days after if you can. Right. And that's not to say that transactions always you know, run late and they don't close on time, but that close of escrow date is kind of a fluid date based on other things in the transaction, right? There's a lot of things that come into play. I've had situations where the county recorder's office was delayed and couldn't record on time or whatever. So it's just really, yeah, things come up. Things come up. It's really, really important as a buyer that you're working very closely with your real estate agent and your lender to coordinate those move dates. And also, you know, (laughs) for whatever reason, it's like Murphy's Law. Anytime somebody gets into escrow, suddenly there's a vacation planned. Right. And that's not a problem, right? We want you to continue going on vacation. We want you to live your life and enjoy it. But we need to know about it. Right. There are a lot of circumstances where we need to plan around that. And there are situations where we either need documentation or we need you to sign with a notary. And depending on where you are in the world, that may or may not be possible. Right. So if you're going out of the country, yeah. you know, you're going to have to be contacting the consulate of that country just to sign. If you're closing, if you're going out of state, we got to set up a notary to go to you out of state. So, right. so it's okay to go on vacation, go out of the country during your escrow, but you need to stay in close contact yeah. with escrow, mortgage broker, and realtor to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a lot of countries, you know, if you're going to be out of the country, you have to sign at the embassy. Right. And that those consulate appointments can sometimes be weeks out depending on the country. Mm-hmm. And so we need to coordinate really carefully. We also need to allow a lot more time for the documents to be shipped back. Right. I've had, you know, docs coming from Germany yeah. that take a week plus to get back from the embassy. And so we need to coordinate for all of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's okay to go on vacation, but you definitely want to communicate all of your plans up front and early on so that we can make sure that we have everything we need. So vacations, money transferring, you know, not working with multiple real estate agents. Mm-hmm. What else is there on the so list? I of would say another rules? big one is don't be afraid to move quickly. Yeah. So I what I see a lot is buyers will be online and they know they want to purchase the house. Right. And so they've done their due diligence. They're looking at multiple houses. And this could be for months. Almost months. everybody starts online these days, right? right? In and any kind have, of shopping experience, you're starting way ahead point. of time before you reach out to anybody. And you've already looked at probably dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of before properties. they've even reached out to a realtor. Right. So I have somebody come to me who's been looking for months and this one property caught their eye because it marks all their check boxes. Right. And they come to me and they say, you know, we really want to see this house. I go show them the house and they love it. It right. like I said, it, it marks all their check boxes. They love it. Right. The, but there's that voice at the back of their head that right. says, I have to look at Five more houses before I can decide. I can't put an offer in on this house. This is the first house I've seen. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people have loved the first house they see. And then they don't put the offer in on that property just because they think they need to see multiple properties. And in their head, they keep on going back to it. And it's, I wish I had put an offer on that original property. Don't be afraid to put that offer on that first property. Don't be afraid to feel like you're moving a little faster than what you're bodies telling you are doing. Right. Because right. I, I guarantee you as a buyer, you can look at homes for months on end with me 
And once you find the house that you're going to put an offer in on, you're going to feel like it's quick. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no it has to be quick, right? I mean, especially right. we're in a market that is very competitive and and likely to stay competitive for years to come. There's just an inventory shortage. And so you do have to sometimes move fast and you don't necessarily I, – I think a misconception from buyers is, you know, well, once I put it, the offer in – I have to be 100% sure when I put that offer in that right. this is the house that is perfect and that I'm not going to find mm-hmm. things wrong with it and and all of those things. So, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about contingencies and things like that, but those are there to protect buyers so that they don't have to feel like they're 100% ready when they make an offer. Right. And I'll tell buyers as we're seeing a house, listen, if you are 70, 80% sure that this is a house for you, let's put an offer and let's tie up the house and let's go back and see it again. And let's see if this is the house for you. You don't have to make the decision right now. As long as you have contingencies, you can go back, take some time, not feel so pressure, but now the house is tied up and you don't have to worry about it going to another buyer. Right. I can't. Get the name house. the number Just of the times <laughs> that that you know buyers have come back and said you know well I missed it I missed the chance right right because they wanted to think about it for two more days or whatever that is and and I I don't want this to come off as sounding like we want you to be rushed and we don't want you to pushy. make an educated decision yeah. right we want you to consider all of those things but we want you to make those considerations while you're already in escrow and you know that you have the option. Right. To buy the house, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to losing it to somebody else because yeah. you're taking too long to think about it. And then you're kicking yourself and for it. Every no house you an see option. after that. Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't know about you. I've bought several houses over my lifetime. And if I look back objectively, I've known the minute I walked in the door. Right. It's like that like, feeling. You, you get. just know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you just know, right? And I mean, when we bought our last house, you know, I just kind of knew and then I had doubts halfway through the transaction. And that's when you work through those doubts. You mm-hmm. go through it and you go, you know, okay, am I making a good decision? And then you get your 24 hours to sleep on it and you get to make up your mind and, you know, decide that it was still a good decision. But those are the times that we want to take that time to think about it is once you already know that you're guaranteed the house. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I would say don't feel like you're being rushed and don't be afraid to put that offer on that house, even if it's one of the first ones you've seen. Right. So I think we've done a great job of, you know, telling you guys about the fundamental rules of the game and yeah. what not to do as a buyer. <laughs> yeah, I hate to give you a laundry list of things not to do, but it is really, really important that you communicate very carefully with all areas of your financial life with your real estate agent and mortgage broker when you're buying a house or even before you're buying a house. Right, right exactly. I should, I should add on the lending <laughs> side, we look at kind of a two-month snapshot. So anything you've done for the previous two months comes into play. So before you buy a house, all of those things still apply. No job changes, no big credit card purchases, all that kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. All right. So those are the rules of the game. The real estate play-by-play. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this play-by-play, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review on your podcast app, or please share with a friend or colleague. For more information, helpful tips, and real estate strategies, please visit us online at www.therealestateplaybyplay.com, where you can also connect with us on social platforms and sign up for our newsletter. Get Get in the game. game.